Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hello. Hey. You think I'm under FBI surveillance? I've been busting their chops pretty hard all week long uh, because they deserve it. Absolutely do they. And they've deserved it for a long time. They've never been any good. I know there are a couple of good agents and that kind of thing. But uh, when you've got the directors totally corrupt, totally rotten, when the building is named for J. Edgar Hoover himself, uh, you know that the place is no good. It's just no good. And there they are, embedded with big tech, getting all cozy and telling them with a wink and a nod, you know, oh, yeah, this Hunter Biden laptop story. Oh, yeah, no, 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 this is this Twitter account, that Twitter account. No, 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 no. They're weighing in on all kinds of stuff they've got no business weighing in on. Hey, stop the terrorism. Stop the child pornographers. Stay the hell out of our lives. And what the hell were you guys doing on January 6th? Did you see what I posted? This is getting hot, by the way. It's on my Twitter right now. Uh at Greg Kelly, USA, the director of the FBI, as we talked about yesterday, is a guy named Christopher Ray, and I think he's a very bad guy, quite frankly. Uh, and if he can't be straight with the American people, I mean, really, uh, resign, quit. You know, we can't, we can't have this, we can't have this vagueness. So the question is pretty simple: um, Were there people? On January 6th, working for the FBI, staged inside the Capitol, waiting for the protesters to arrive, dressed as Trump supporters. FBI personnel, FBI informants, were they in there waiting for the protesters to arrive? And were they dressed as Trump supporters? Now, that that possibility, that scenario, had never even occurred to me. Now our government wouldn't do anything like that. It's ludicrous, right? No, I believe they did it. And Christopher Ray just gave me a big clue. Cut 44. Did you have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters inside the Capitol on January the 6th prior to the doors being opened? Again, I had to be very careful. It should be a no. Can you not tell the American people? No, we did not have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters positioned inside the Capitol. Gentlemen's time has expired. You should not read anything into my... Decision uh, not to share information. Director Ray, gentleman's time has expired. The answer should be a no. That's Congressman uh, Clay Higgins from Louisiana. He's going to be on my uh, Newsmax show tonight or uh, maybe later this week. He may, uh, may have a conflict tonight. Um, uh, great guy. And what a moment. And uh, by the way, the audio, you got to see Christopher Ray's face. You got to watch his lips quiver. He shakes. He starts blinking like crazy. He's nervous. He's cagey. He's holding something back, and he is mad at this guy because he's caught. He's busted. Wow. And guess who Christopher Ray is really tight with? Um, Chris Christie. Uh, these guys used to be uh, law partners. Look, uh, the FBI has just been getting it wrong uh, 
basically my entire life, and for those who are old enough uh, for the Kennedy assassination, your entire life and beyond. You know they screwed up the Kennedy assassination, right? Uh, this guy, Agent Hosty, had a, an appointment with Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it next week. He kept on putting it off. I'm going to get to it in a couple of days. I'm going to get to it. Then finally, we got it on the we got it on the calendar. I'm going to meet with Lee Harvey Oswald the first Tuesday in December 1963. The FBI uh, had interest in a guy like Oswald who went to Russia. <laughs> Crazy, right? Uh, a known communist kook in Dallas. Maybe you want to keep tabs on a guy like that before the president comes to town. Uh, that one slipped through the cracks. And this is what, the, and by the way, they cover it up. They cover it up. In the tradition of J. Edgar Hoover, the Bureau must look good. It's all PR. It's all a game. It's all a sham. It's all about looking good and big budgets. All right. So who remembers Stephen Hatfield? Stephen Hatfield is the poor guy they falsely accused of being the anthrax mailer. Remember the anthrax attacks after September 11th in late 01 and 02? Somebody or some organization, some entity was mailing creepy letters with, forget the letters, anthrax to people like Tom Brokaw, the New York Post, Tom Daschle, all over the place. And the notes, you may remember, death to America, you die now. This is the anthrax. We have the anthrax. Death to America in block handwriting. So somehow they thought it was Dr. Stephen Hatfield because he had some, I, I don't know why, why they suspected him, but he's totally, totally, totally innocent. We know that now. But they were hounding this guy left and right. They were following him, and they followed him. Why? And they wanted him to know he was being followed so he would break, so he would um, go nuts. Stephen Hatfield, however, would have none of it. He stood up and said, "Uh uh-uh, you're messing with the wrong guy. And listen to what he says about the FBI. So true then and so true now. Cut 45. I want to look my fellow Americans directly in the eye and declare to them, I am not the anthrax killer. I know nothing about the anthrax attacks I had absolutely nothing to do with this terrible crime. It has an investigation that is characterized by the apparent avoidance of any major avenue of inquiry except the one decided upon by the Attorney General. Most importantly, it is driven by a compelling and overwhelming desire that the FBI look good at any cost, regardless of the price and individual freedom, due process, common decency, and civil liberties. That's in 2002. Six years later, they finally (laughs) exonerated this guy, and they had to give him $6 million. $6 million. And that's one of those cases where the guy really deserved it. And then they found another suspect that they were hounding and following all over the place and making his life miserable to the point that the guy killed himself. Uh, A scientist, an Army scientist by the name of Bruce Ivins, and I put his picture up, and like, this was the real guy. And I'm like, wait a second, actually. Well, the real guy according to whom? The FBI. The FBI comes out and says, yep, this is the guy who did it. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, the day after he commits suicide. Well, we don't know that. The FBI didn't even have the nerve to arrest him. So how do we – I don't think that case is solved. Actually, I'm really confident it's not been solved. I was one of those people, oh, yeah, it must be this Bruce Ivins guy because the FBI told us. But there's a – let you see, I, that – one of the reasons why I think he's innocent, all right? 
Um, there's a pretty interesting um, documentary on Channel 13 uh, a couple of years ago. Frontline. You ever see Frontline? It's actually pretty good. I mean, they're liberal and stuff like that, but um, they raise all kinds of doubts about the case uh, against Bruce Ivins. Seems like he was just an eccentric guy, and he had the expertise, and he had the know-how. Uh, and since he was a bit of a weirdo, they said this must be the guy. I don't think he was, and a lot of other people don't either. But posthumously, they have destroyed him even more than they did while he was alive. All right. Hey, the border is, uh, as you know, wide open. (laughs) Joe Biden is pretending it's not a problem. And for him, maybe it's not a problem. He wants those people here in America so they'll have more voters. I do think that's what it's about. Uh, And therefore, it's an impeachable offense. You know, when people like Marjorie Taylor Greene get up and say, uh, Joe Biden should be impeached and everybody kind of rolls their eyes. I remember she was saying that before he even got there. Uh, her time has come because if you look it up in the Constitution, you know, the Constitution um, is like there are subsections and <laughs> it's not just a bunch of amendments. It's 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 long. And in there, it spells out the duty of the president of the United States to protect the security of our borders that he must maintain the nation state. And this would be in clear violation, we believe, of the Constitution, his solemn oath of office to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States, to defend the United States. It's right in there. you got to take care of the border. Does anybody really know what Title 42 is? By the way, do you know it? Can you define? Diego's back. Do you? Can you define t- Title 42? Be honest. I've never read it, no. Yeah. I mean, I, I just hear Title 42. Title 42, I know it's expiring. And they say when Title 42 expires, which is going to be next Tuesday or something like that, then, then whoa, all hell will break loose. Well, all hell is already broken loose. We, we have no control of the border. How can it be any worse? Uh, I don't totally understand what Title 42 is and how it works. I mean, it doesn't just roll off the tongue, but everybody on the news assumes that the entire audience works on Capitol Hill, right? Title 42, of course, Title 42. You don't know what Title 42 is? Well, let me tell you the difference between Title 42 and Title 39. All right, all right. Look, I know the gist of it. It's a mechanism that we can uh, basically send people back, not let them come in if they're coming here from countries where there is uh, a COVID epidemic, pandemic, a COVID problem, which is basically almost every country. A Title 42 doesn't seem to be that effective right now. And right, everyone's going crazy about Title 42. I don't. You know what? I know this. Everybody on the TV is like, Title 42, Title 42, Title 42. Some of them have the same questions that I do. You know what I mean? I, I, look, I'm going to get straightened out. I'm going to totally understand it. But right now, I am confused. And if it's the border is this bad, is it really? I mean, it doesn't seem like it could get any worse. The, the open-door policy, people are just coming right in. And uh, so, all right, there's that. What else is happening? Oh, did you see? Did you get that Eric Adams stuff? What a weirdo. Although he's crafty in his own way. He's crafty. So here's the deal. He doesn't give a damn about anything other than himself, having a good time, wearing those suits, and getting reelected. All right? So the party can continue. Now to get reelected, because this isn't about the people. This isn't about us working slobs. This is about... The elites, making the elites feel happy, making the elites feel comfortable, making the elites feel, oh, I'm meeting Eric Adams. How interesting. He's so well-groomed. 
Ooh, he has an earring. Ooh. This man is so impressive. He's so neat and clean. Well, he's playing you. He is playing you. He has no business being in government, no interest in being in government, but he loves to party, and he needs the rich people's money to do that. So he's saying these little pockets, little things here and there. It doesn't matter what he does all day long. Nobody really knows. We have no media to cover him in any serious way. They've been cowed because they don't feel comfortable, the press, covering a black man, subjecting him to the scrutiny that they would a white politician. I'm sorry. It's as simple as that. It's really amazing. He has used race as a weapon against the media. Back off or you're going to be labeled a racist. It actually worked. It actually worked. So he's got so much confidence right now. He doesn't have to worry about the people. He has to suck up to the rich, though. (laughs) And uh, listen to this. And it's about stop dividing our city to continually attack high-income earners. Where 51% of our taxes are paid by 2% of New Yorkers. It's blown my mind when I hear people say, so what if they leave? No, you leave. Who are my high-income earners right here? You leave. You leave if you're not a high-income. By the way, isn't this the guy who told people to get out anyway? Didn't he tell people to get out? At one point he said people to get, he told people to get, wow, how about that? Screw the people. I'm here to serve the rich. Now, in its own way, this is going to work for him. Rich people are going to feel comfortable. They're like, oh, wow, we need a Democrat to speak some hard truths like that. Uh, he's, um, what is it? A grifter. A grifter. All right, what's the, what's the deal? We, uh, we, all right, I'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You following, um, you know, the Paul Pelosi story is not over. The son of the accused attacker is saying out loud to the Daily Mail, we don't know what happened. Maybe he's a sex slave. I don't know if if Paul Pelosi would be the sex slave or the other. Look, he said it, not me. He said it to the Daily Mail. Daily Mail is breaking all kinds of stories. Said his dad was a nice guy. We talked about that yesterday. Now, a big, uh, I guess there was a five-hour court hearing yesterday. Uh, prosecutors allege that Dave DePate made all kinds of incriminating uh, statements and said he was out there because Nancy's a liar and uh, wants to um, you know, handicap her, send her home in a wheelchair, do all these horrible things because Washington is lying so much. These are allegations. Apparently, this is what he said to a uh, cop. But it's interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm going through all these reports. Uh, the Washington Post, uh, let's see here, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, CNN, on and on and on and on and on. And they all say that the body cam was played in court. And they all talk about the moment that Paul Pelosi, you know, the, the hammer hit his head. I'm reading these accounts and I it doesn't seem like they've actually seen the tape themselves. And none of them are answering the question about who opened the door. 
and none of them are addressing the issue that's been raised. Did Paul Pelosi, number one, did he open the door? And did he, as has been reported, walk back into the house? You're going to see the body cam footage. All right, I already know he got hit in the head. I mean, I'm taking your word for it, but okay, he got hit in the head. Who opened the door and what happened next? They don't tell us that. Also, I keep hearing that Paul Pelosi was a calm, cool cucumber on the 911 call. Well, why won't they release that? Why haven't we heard that? Now, there is a possibility that occurred to me today that this is, he was genuinely there, DePape was there to hurt Paul Pelosi because he hates Nancy Pelosi and hates liberals and hates uh, the vaccine and hates Fauci and there's all those things and fired up by January 6th and all that stuff. I don't believe that. But let's, for a moment, now, if that's true, and if they know it's true, why are they dancing around with so much of the information? Why are they keeping it from us? I think what they want to do, potentially, potentially, this is a theory. This is a conspiracy theory about their conspiracy theory. They want us speculating like this. As one would do in the absence of evidence, the evidence that is normally released. So we're going to somehow diminish ourselves. There's precedent for this. Barack Obama, I do believe at this point that he was born in the United States, in Hawaii. But remember when that question was first raised and then it got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger? And then the White House finally did something. They authorized the release of the birth certificate. But they didn't. See, they played a game because I think they thought that this was actually working somehow in their favor. So they didn't release the birth certificate. You know what they released? A certificate certifying that there's a birth certificate. (laughs) Because when I saw it, I could see the font. I just knew right away that this is a contemporary document. This is something from 2011, not from uh, 1961. So they were trying to further the conspiracy. Do you understand? They wanted people out there raising the question so they could delegitimize them. They were playing a game. They may be playing a game here. Then again, the whole thing may be a total, total scam. You know, for Nancy Pelosi to be able to go on national television the night before the midterms and say her husband was attacked because of January 6th, I think they got some political mileage out of that. Stay tuned. Stay tuned, but they may be, they, oh, they, they're manipulating me on this one. Mm. All right, do me a favor. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. What's this pizza place that everybody goes to and lines up? Garibaldi's, is that it? Garibaldi's? Grimaldi's. Grimaldi's. We have 85 boxes of Garibaldi's pizza right here. It's wonderful. Although, quite frankly, um, regular pizza on the corner is just as good. Maybe even a little bit better. But they also, excuse me, <clears throat> what are these things? Zep, Zep, Zepoli's? What are, the, what, are, what are these donut things? Z, Z, anyway, there are a bunch of these as well. They're very good. I've never actually, um, I've never actually focused on one. Fantastic. Hey, how about this for a politician changing his tune, huh? 
Eric Adams, I'm telling you, he stands for nothing but those suits. That's all he wants. He wants an entourage. He wants a posse. He wants to roll like a gangster. That's all he cares about. So he's going to be wildly inconsistent. He's going to be all over the place. Just show me the money. Remember that show me the money? Oh, get that for me too, okay? Show me the money. But first, here's what I'm talking about. The um, He only cares about and whatever's cool in the moment, whatever he thinks is going to play in front of a crowd, like a lot of other politicians we know. Uh, let's see here. This is January of 2020. He's Brooklyn Borough president, but he's running for mayor, and he's raising money like crazy. And he has a message for um, he has a message about the city and for people who possibly came here from somewhere else, which is, by the way, about half the city, possibly more than half the city. Go ahead. You were here before Starbucks. You were here before others came and decided they wanted to be part of this, this city. Folks are not only hijacking your apartments and displacing your living arrangements, they've displaced your conversations and said the things that are important to you are no longer important, and they decide what's important and what's not important. Go back to Iowa. You go back to Ohio. New York City belongs to the people that was here and made New York City what it is. And I know I'm a New Yorker. I protected this city. I have a right to put my voice in how the city should run um and we listened to that and they made a mayor right (laughs) i have a feeling there might be a uh a racial component to some of what he's saying just a just a hint right telling all these people to go back to states that are in popular view uh overwhelmingly white all right this is about what else oh he is a right because he was a cop hey guess what we have rights as as citizens as human beings all right so There, he wants you to get out of town. Get out of town if you're from elsewhere. The gentrifiers, that was a message against the people, the Starbucks, all that stuff, right? You're not real New Yorkers. Now he's mayor. And now he's uh, he's got it all, right? And what's his message now? This is last night. And it's about stop dividing our city to continually attack high-income earners. Where 51% of our taxes are paid by 2% of New Yorkers. It's blown my mind when I hear people say, so what if they leave? No, you leave. Who are my high-income earners right here? No, you leave. You leave. Well, I guess maybe it is consistent. I can't tell. I mean, get out of the city. Like, he seems to be fine. You go back to Iowa. You, if you're not rich, you leave too. What a, <laughs> what a savage. He is so bad. So uncouth, by the way, right? I mean, look, I'm uh, I'm not exactly Prince Charles, but uh, I don't I don't I wouldn't yell at the constituents to get the hell out of New York. Stop! Start acting like a public servant, not like you're the the king and you you whims and all this stuff, right? And by the way, I do hear it's getting back to me that there are people here who, who are enamored with him. <laughs> Just we gotta keep an eye on that, right? <clears throat> the morning show. Uh, and others. All right. Uh, Tony, what do you think? Hello. Tony, what's up? Never mind. Let's go to the other Tony. We got one in Clifton, New Jersey. What's up? I'm Tony in Clifton. That's right. That's why I said you, Tony in Clifton. What's up? So there's a movie called Born Yesterday, um, and it's a great movie. I want you to preview it on your own time. And it really is what people think of us. You've been doing a great job covering all the things that are being uh, violations, as you would put it. 
and we see, we need to point everybody out to where these violations come from, and they're from our Constitution, because obviously uh, these people think we were born yesterday, which means we don't have any experience and we don't know what they're doing. So when you look at the government, they have been making violations every day. That's what you're reporting, and I think the people need to be educated as to what they're doing and what that violates. All right, listen, I'm looking at Born Yesterday. I got a, like 16 movies called Born Yesterday. One goes back all the way to 1950. Which which Born Yesterday is this? So go to the one with Melody Griffiths where she does the Constitution song. Um, she does a great job portraying Billy Dean, who has a boyfriend who's trying to make his way through bribing senators. Okay, yep, Washington. I got it. Born Yesterday with Melanie Griffin. Kevin Klein, 1993. Wait, is that Kevin Klein? It's Kevin Klein, right? And, uh, hmm, looks pretty good. Tell me more. It's a great movie. So the point of the fact that I'm making is that everything they're doing is violating some law, including the system of checks and balances in our government. And I think when you point out all these things to people and you're doing a great job, just put a little caveat at the bottom or at the top saying this is the law that's being violated. Because I think people don't really know why you're reporting things and why they're wrong. Does it sound like maybe people think we were born yesterday or the audience was? You know, born yesterday means we don't know any better. Yeah, like, I know. Listen, I don't always know what law they're actually violating. I know the general principle. I'm not a constitutional lawyer. I'm not a uh, I'm not I'm not a swamp guy. That's why I tell you right now. Title 42. OK. Um, yeah, I'll try to do better, Tony. But uh, in the meantime, I'll check out uh, Born Yesterday, which is with Don Johnson, by the way. And uh, is that John Goodman? Is that John Goodman in it? Um, yeah, it is. It is. All right. Uh, Tony, thank you. And uh, let's do one other. Carrie, uh, Derek and uh, Merrick. Derek. Derek and Merrick. Hey, Greg. Uh, great show. And you are the voice of truth. Thank you very much. I just wanted to bring to your, to your attention about the FBI uh, and the Capitol on January 6th. A few months ago, I saw a YouTube video uh, with on January 6th outside the Capitol showing a guy encouraging everyone else to go in. Wasn't talking about going in himself. And all the other protesters around were pointing at him and yelling, Fed, don't go in, don't go in. And I believe it may have been confirmed that that was an undercover FBI agent. Yeah, no, I've seen that. I've seen others. You know, you've seen Ray Epps, of course, and uh, uh, you've seen other mysterious figures. I, I, I am convinced it's Antifa. Some of these guys are Antifa. Hey, we know there's a Black Lives Matter radical by the name of John Sullivan who is right in the middle of it all, stirring things up, yelling his head off, screaming, egging people on. He was the one who videotaped Ashley Babbitt being shot and killed. Isn't that amazing? He was right there. He was right there. Got the whole thing on tape. Uh, I hear the January 6th committee is going to release their uh, their partisan nonsense on Monday. They're going to release. Uh, how can you have a how can you have a report on January 6th without evaluating the security failures, you know, or what else the hell happened? Security failure. Maybe maybe this was meant to be. Maybe this was facilitated by the FBI itself, by the FBI itself. You, Christopher Ray, one more time. I find this totally fascinating. And you got to go to my Twitter, at Greg Kelly USA, to see this guy. His mouth move, quiver, he's nervous, he's shaking. Seems like a pretty straightforward question to me. Cut 44. 
Did you have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters inside the Capitol on January the 6th prior to the doors being opened? Again, I have to be very careful. It should be a no. Can you not tell the American people no? We did not have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters positioned inside the Capitol. Gentlemen, time has expired. You should not read anything into my decision uh, not to share information. Director Ray, gentlemen's time has expired. All right. It's pretty fascinating that he won't answer that question. What's the question again? Were there FBI agents or FBI informants or personnel uh, inside the Capitol before the protesters breached the doors? Breached. Some of those doors were left open, as you know, waiting for them. And were they dressed as Trump supporters to blend in? He can't answer that question. He won't answer that question. And he got really hot and bothered that it was even asked. Wow. This is a guy who um, this is a guy who actually got up and swore to uh, defend the Constitution. Not telling that to the American people. How is that in any way? How do you have to do backflips in your head to justify that? Unless you're trying to cover it up. Because, uh, after all, what did Stephen Hatfield say about the FBI's mission? Cut 45. I want to look my fellow Americans directly in the eye and declare to them, I am not the anthrax killer. I know nothing about the anthrax attacks I had absolutely nothing to do with this terrible crime. It has an investigation that is characterized by the apparent avoidance of any major avenue of inquiry except the one decided upon by the Attorney General. Most importantly, it is driven by a compelling and overwhelming desire that the FBI look good at any cost, regardless of the price and individual freedom, due process, common decency and civil liberties because the fbi they think they're somehow a branch of government i think they think they're more important than the government somehow you got to see where they're placed we got to get the fbi headquarters number one we have to rename it it's a terrible name federal bureau who the hell likes federal bureaus so rename it and then get it the hell off of pennsylvania avenue it's a huge it's like the it's half the size of the pentagon and it's right there on pennsylvania avenue Halfway between the White House and the Capitol, right there in the middle. You can see how they'd get such a such a big head. Hey, when it comes to uh, matters of race, you know what I've been saying for a long time. Race, race in America. America's been having a very silly and foolish conversation about race to avoid having a very, um, well, serious, important, and helpful conversation. You know, the one that uh, Barack Obama tried to have for about eight seconds when it was totally safe for him to do it after he secured the nomination. But before the general election, you know, he just tested it out. Hey, what if I talk about black fathers leaving their uh, leaving their kids? What if I talk about that? Because it's a real problem. Well, he talked about it. Then he got B-slapped so hard he gave up. Because Obama has his own issues, his own issues with the black community. Own, there are factors why he can't talk about it. I'll get to that in a moment. But first, here's James Comey, of all people, former FBI director, spouting off about race in America. Yeah, we need to hear from him. Keep this in mind about James Comey. He said this when he's FBI director. You have to understand this. He's fabulously wealthy. He's worth about $25 million. Nobody really understands this, but I just told you. 
So it's very easy for him to say, you know, well, well, first, actually, like people like this, you hear it all the time in the media, right? Cut 51. I think that white people uh, should listen. White people should listen to African-Americans. I think white people need to listen. When it comes to race, white people need to listen more. Mm, a code for shut up. Uh, well, if you're rich, you've already you know made your money and you can uh, just retire and never work again. For those of us who are still making our way through the world, no, we're not going to be quiet, white, black, red, brown, whatever, about a pretty important issue. It's not a one-sided conversation. We need to listen more. We. You notice uh, the only people who uh, say those kinds of things are basically very far to the left and who say it in such a self-righteous, smug way are very, very wealthy. Like James Comey, listen to this. As the FBI director, cut 52. Research points to the widespread existence of unconscious bias. Many people in our white majority culture have unconscious racial biases and react differently to a white face than a black face. In fact, we all, white and black, carry various biases around with us. So um, we all, white and black, you hear that? We all, all, white and black. That's it, right? White and black, black and white. That's all that's in America, huh, James Comey? What a silly, ignorant statement. In addition to the silly and ignorant uh, uh, vouching for unconscious bias, which is total junk science, it's a theory, and even if you could prove it, which you can't, there's absolutely nothing we can do about it, and quite frankly, it doesn't matter. It's not what's going on in your head. It's your actions. You're allowed to think whatever the hell you want. This is still America, ma'am. And we're allowed to think good things and bad things. Stay the hell out of our heads. All right, but anyway, it's not all black and white. Listen to Oprah Winfrey. Can I play this real quick? This is Oprah Winfrey. And this is actually a very thoughtful statement, and it's very honest. And she's talking about racism that she experienced from black people. Cut 53. I came to live in Milwaukee with my mother, who was uh, rooming with a lady. And uh, my mother has, a, has another uh, daughter. So I have a half-sister who was light-skinned and younger than I. And they were allowed to stay inside the house. And I was forced to sleep outside in the hallway because I was the brown-skinned person. And, you know, and my, you know, my mother did it just because otherwise we'd have no place to sleep. But the place was uh, owned by a white, uh, uh, not white, but uh, I thought she was white, Ms. Miller, who also passed and just didn't want the brown-skinned child in her house. It's just really racism passed on to ourselves. And racism, black people, racist against other black people, that that complicates the picture quite a bit, doesn't it? And I'm not I'm not trying to uh, dismiss her concerns or her story or anything like that. That's all that's valid, and it's real. But somehow, somehow it's all black and white, right, Jim Comey? Yeah, it's not. It's uh, it's far it's far more nuanced. But nobody wants to nobody wants to go there. Even Barack Obama, you know why? You know one of the reasons why he would not talk about real issues, you know, black fathers, you know, running away and incarceration and all that stuff. It's obviously not all, but it's a problem because he has had to deal with this his whole life. Uh, Barack Obama, are you even black? Uh, Barack Obama. You seem white to me. 
This is what he would hear from black people all the time. Uh, he's written about it in the seven books that he wrote about himself. True story. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right. Let's uh, take a call or two. Dave is in Orange County. Hi, Dave. What's up? Hey, what's up, Greggy? How you been, buddy? Fine, fine. Good. You know, I said, um, you know, it's, I had something else to talk about, but I've been hearing your thing, you know, you talk about race and all that. Am I the only person in the world that doesn't need a lesson on how not to be a racist? I mean, you know, you know everywhere I go, this is what you're not to do. This and that. You know, I was never a racist. I, didn't, I don't understand why people need lessons. The only people that need lessons are the racists probably, right? So why are they cramming it down my throat and telling me how to act? And I've been fine my whole life. Have you? Have you really? Have you, Dave? Yeah. What? what, Have you, Dave? Dave, Dave, you've benefited from, you're a white man, I take it, correct? No, I'm mixed. I'm a Mixed what? Dave. Uh, Spanish, Italian, This is a structurally, structurally racist country founded by white men to protect white men and their property. Surely you know all this. Oh, that's silly. Dave, I know it is. I know it is. It's a crock. I know. I know. I know. It's. But look, let me ask you something. Where are you? Orange County? How much, other than on cable TV and on radio and on Twitter and all this stuff, and I kind of know, well, in your life, I know in real life it is popping up. That's the thing. It's popping up. But how do you confront this crazy uh, new orthodoxy? Where do you see it? How does it manifest itself in your life as you go around? How does this? How does this uh, appear? Well, you know, in, in my immediate circle, um, I have parties at the house and all that, and it doesn't really come up. I mean, you know, we're all, you know, we're all friends, different races, make some whatever. Um, it doesn't really come up in our circle, but then you turn on the local news, and all of a sudden, so wait, it's just the TV people saying it. I mean, you haven't seen it. Hey, let me ask you. Be honest, all right? I've had some friends, uh, people, uh, some white, some people of color, who have totally washed their hands of me, want nothing to do with me, especially because of this, uh, the stuff about race, the moment that we're in, and they don't think I get it. They don't, you know, they've gone all woke. Uh, they think the country is systemically racist, and uh, there are people I don't talk to because I don't believe that. And they they tell me that it is, and I'm, like, so insulted. I never would have joined the military to defend a systemically racist country. Anyway, um, so you you say it doesn't come up in your uh, – because it certainly comes up in my life. Well, you know, how about not getting so offended by it, right? You know these people are thinking just what they see in the news and all that. If they think like that, let them think like that. You know, you you have to just rise above some of that stuff. And you realize they're just a little wackadoodle in the in the head. Um, you you this Saturday come to my house in Orange County. I'm having a party. Everybody there will have you know all different races, mixes, and everything. And we it won't come up. It's it's just it's weird how it's being put in our head, and it shouldn't be there. Well, you know, if I come up there, I'm going to bring it up. I'm going to have to. Uh... I'm going to have to have some real conversations. No, hey, listen, I appreciate it, Dave. I'm glad you're able to, uh, you know, keep it in context. But uh, it's it's actually it's actually not just on TV, not just in the media. I'm surprised about your circle of friends, how cool they are, and I I admire that. All right, Dave, I got to go, and many thanks. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. 
All right, my Newsmax show last night, we outlined how, how, I hope it's not true, but this could be, we could be sane people, that is, the permanent minority in America for a very long time to come. I'm still trying to figure out, uh, well, because I do believe that they have essentially rigged these elections. There will always be people somewhere that they can ply with uh, all kinds of goodies and just hand out ballots like uh, they just mimeograph them and uh, we'll never, ever, ever be able to. However, I mean, I say never, ever, ever. Something can happen. Something great. Something wonderful could happen. Uh, but I am worried. I am worried. And um, one of those things that could happen is Donald Trump, of course, coming back and winning. And as has been pointed out to me, he'd have to win by a lot. He'd have to win by a lot. Anything can happen. I do think Donald Trump, as I've said publicly, will have to change up the game a little bit. He already showed that when he declared for president a couple of weeks ago. It was a uh, different. And you know why? Because this will confuse the opposition. If he actually started reaching out to the left, I, I, could, I could just see something magic, magic happening, just magical. In the meantime, we know, oh, one of the reasons why I think they have it all kind of rigged and this might be permanent, because Joe Biden, it looks like, is going to be the nominee. They're going to let him run again. They want him to run again. No sane person, no sane party would let him run for president for reelection unless they knew they had nothing to fear, unless they knew that they would be able to take care of the whole thing. Joe Biden is incompetent in every way. There's no there's no way on earth that he could withstand a traditional presidential campaign, say, pre 20, pre 2020, (laughs) the rough and tumble of a campaign, you know, before 2020. I mean, they even asked Hillary Clinton tough questions on the campaign trail. Now it's totally nope. Everyone's in the everyone's on somebody's side. But Biden, here's one of the many mistakes, and here's one of the things I think we got to do. Number one, I'm going to buy gold. I'm not saying that because they're a sponsor. I've already bought gold, but I think I'm going to buy more because uh, I'm also going to, yes, I'm going to legally acquire uh, some firearms. Why? Well, I think that Joe Biden wants to stack the Supreme Court, stack it, pack it, whatever, and they're going to mess with the Second Amendment. And... Uh, while we still have it, I'm going to exercise mine. And Joe has absolutely no idea what he's talking about when it comes to guns. Cut 37, please. The idea, the idea we still allow semi-automatic weapons to be purchased is sick. It's just sick. It has no, no social redeeming value. Zero. None. He doesn't know what a semi-automatic weapon is. He does not know what he's talking about. A man who's been in government for how many years? 50, 50 years since 1972. 50 years ago, right now, this guy was a senator-elect from Delaware. Hey, also 50 years ago, right now, weren't the astronauts on the moon? I think Apollo 17, our last mission to the moon, was going on right now 50 years ago. And we're just limping back. Anybody notice we sent a spaceship up there, got back the other day? Notice that I didn't see the splashdown. Did you see the splashdown? I didn't see the splashdown. We go all the way to the moon. We take a couple of trips around the moon, and I didn't see any cool pictures. Got one new cool picture of the moon, right? They've got a camera. Why wouldn't they take any new new cool pictures of the moon? All right, so look, some of the stuff we got to do. I'm going to buy I, me. I don't know. I, I buy gold. I'm going to have uh, fuel and uh, food around. I'm going to actually have to think about maybe uh, 
you know, is the city the safest place to be long term? A panic room, anybody? And uh, I think we all, during these confusing, dark times, this is a great time to get closer to God. Ah, I got to point this out. Before I go on the war on Christmas stuff, which is real, which I doubted at first when Bill O'Reilly first brought it up, but it's a real thing. But before I start complaining about the war on Christmas, like Eric Metaxas told me, he said, if we as Christians or, you know, day of Christian, we as Christians did our job, if we are Christian, lived that life and talked about it, not in an obnoxious, you know, uh, what's that word, proselytizing type way, just sharing with people uh, what it's done for us, embracing the faith. You know, some of us only embrace it when it's under assault. You know what I mean? Somebody only it gets our Irish up when they start making fun of it. But we don't really, you know, day in and day out, it's neither here nor there. It shouldn't be that way in my opinion. Uh, it's Look, it changed everything in my life, just about everything. Uh, I, yeah, I'd be dead by now. I would be dead if I had not found, um, if I had not uh, grown closer to God and that happened through the Bible, I would have died. I, I think I would have been hit by a car in a drunken stupor. That's probably what would have happened to me. Uh, I was, I was just, um, and not like I was drinking every day, but when I did drink, forget about it. Uh, anyway, uh, so there's so much, everything, it's the key to everything. Now, a lot of folks on television, though, and me included, we get upset, though, when you can't say Merry Christmas or things like that. And and when a little punk gets involved, and you're going to hear, first, you're going to hear a great man. His name is Dennis Prager. And then you're going to hear the punk. Okay, Dennis Prager from Prager U. You've heard of him, right? Christian, he likes to say Merry Christmas. But listen to the commentary after. Cut 38, please. The vast majority of Americans who celebrate Christmas and who treat non-Christians so well, deserve better. So please, say Merry Christmas. And isn't that just mind-boggling? Christians deserve better? Huh? For one thing, deserve better than what? Hearing the words happy holidays, I think they can withstand this intense trauma. But more importantly, no they don't. Christians don't deserve I mean, don't get me wrong, they're humans, they should be treated as well as anybody else, but nobody deserves to have their religious traditions honored by other people. What makes the Christ boys so special? There you go. The mocking of Christianity. I'm not looking for special treatment. We don't want our religion mocked. You know, I don't, uh, I wouldn't say bad things about Islam. And actually, most, uh, most, most secularists in America would never think of saying anything about Islam. But Christianity, that's fair game. Try, uh, see what happens. See what happens. Wear a Jesus Saves shirt. You think you're going to be accepted? You think you're going to be welcomed? You think maybe HR will say some of our staff are uncomfortable? Wear a Black Lives Matter shirt. What do you think is going to happen? Sit at the head of the table. Um, (laughs) I I talk about this in my book, by the way. I go through uh, how there was a horrible riot in front of the White House that's been completely ignored uh, by everybody. Um, A riot and park police quelled that riot, but it was there was a lot of violence. Sixty park police officers were seriously injured. One required brain surgery. 
I only hear about Michael Fanone. I never hear about these guys. These this mob wanted to scale the the fence of the White House. The difference between uh, January sixth and that riot in late May of twenty twenty. Uh, the Secret Service and the Park Police were successful in keeping them out of the White House. Remember, they brought Trump down to the bunker and everybody made fun of him. But when Mike Pence is brought down to the bunker, it's somehow a great thing. Anyway, so they get rid of all the protesters, uh, the rioters, because you had to clear it out. You can't riot. I see no one was uh, objecting to all of the January Sixers being removed from Capitol grounds, right? You have to move them out. And then the next day, Trump walks across the street, remember that, with the Bible, holds a Bible up in front of a church, and everybody goes crazy. What a horrible, horrible, horrible thing to do. How dare he think about it? What is it? And I have a picture of it in my book. I have a picture of Trump with the Bible in front of the book, in front of the church. What is wrong with this image? You know what's on that church right now? Right now. St. It's the President's Chapel right across the street from the White House. A Black Lives Matter banner. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter in, 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 in more than more than the Bible. What 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 lunacy are we living in here? Uh, I'm very proud, actually, to uh, to put some of these things in book form, because a lot of it, you know, these things are on talk radio. They are on cable TV. I'll tell you what, I think this might be the first book that talks about Ashley Babbitt. I have her picture in the book as well. Ashley Babbitt, that poor woman who was killed by Michael Byrd. Now, somebody called the other day saying, well, why do you always talk about that? Well, number one, nobody else is, and we were all a witness to it. And one of the reasons why this is just accepted is because this woman's life has been devalued, in part because of the color of her skin. Remember, white people, what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to keep their mouths shut, right? Cut 51. I think that white people uh, should listen. White people should listen to African Americans. I think white people need to listen. When it comes to race, white people need to listen more. White people, just white people. It sounds negative. It sounds pejorative. What about equality? No, no, no. Now we have this thing called equity. And by the way, do we have that lunatic from California who wants how much money? All right. He's actually, believe it or not, here's some Black Lives Matter activist standing up at a hearing. And you may think he's crazy. I may think he's crazy. But you know what? He's actually not crazy. This is mainstream thought in California right now. Governor Gavin Newsom is on board with this kind of stuff. Go ahead. Quick and brief. So the tangibles of what I'm uh, asking for is 350000 per black American in California. That's eligible. Small business grant, $250,000, and land, 15 to 20 acres. He's talking about reparations. Reparations. Um, that's a lot of money. 300000 dollars he said, right? Uh, how many acres of land for reparations? I, I keep, I thought that we're supposed to be looking forward, right? Not back, look forward. We can't look back. We got to look forward. Oh, Trump's about the past. We got to look forward. But we're all mired in, uh, and stuff that happened in the 1700s and the 1800s. You realize how ridiculous this is? And by the way, <laughs> what an uprising. Because there are people of color out there. I mean, lots of folks are discriminated against. Hey, I can make the case that white people are discriminated against. 
But this is only I notice about black people. Well, what about Hispanic people? What about Asian people? What about the Incas? You can go on and on and on. Are they are they going to be taken care of in this California ludicrous uh, retributive uh, reparation plan? I good luck figuring that one out. It's never going to happen. It's never going to work out. We're going to tear this country apart. We really are. We're already there. We're already doing it. All I want is the Constitution to be, and I want law and order. It's really all I want. Donald Trump is not a right-wing guy. It's a very traditional centrist message. Let's not rip the country apart. This is a good place. You really want to understand Trump, watch the July 4th message, 2020, in its entirety, and as we go to break, uh, these wise words from Eric Adams when it comes to money. Can you believe this guy is the mayor? Show me the money. Show me the money. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. huh? Uh, we have a problem. But you know what? He's getting away with it. And a lot of folks out there are just kind of rolling with it. What's going to happen next? Am I up against? Oh, I am. All right. One second. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, we got a what? A big speech from President Trump. He put out a big message. All right. We're going to we're going to um, we're going to play it in its entirety. Fox News won't play it. Fox Business won't play it. CNN's not going to play it, but we're going to play it. All right, I'm going to go ahead and uh, turn that around. It'll be ready uh, at 1.30. Stay with us for that. It's uh, This is not the big surprise. The big surprise was, a, <laughs> I think, was a bit of a joke on purpose. It was about ball car, ball, baseball cards with Trump on them or something like that, right? It was, all right, I knew that was going to be a goof, but this seems a, a lot more serious, and uh, I'm looking forward to that, all right? Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, oh, just remember this. When it comes to this silly thing about the pronouns most of them they were they invented these things eight seconds ago uh, and the people who do it are doing it for power uh status and uh, virtue signaling cut 48 please cut 48 hi i'm jackson bird i'm a youtuber and writer from new york city my pronouns are he him his hello everyone my name is francis tolino my pronouns are she her i'm adam and my pronouns are he him his and I'm Asia. My pronouns are they, them, and theirs. Asia, by the way, is that bald chick from uh, Billions. Um, it's obviously ludicrous. And here's the great Jordan Peterson telling us just how ludicrous it is. Cut 50. The reason I wouldn't use the word Z and Z. There's one thing that would get me to get into the presidential hey, race. Hey, hold on a Stop, stop, stop. Um, stop, 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 stop. Cut 49, Jordan Peterson. The reason I wouldn't use the word Z and Zer and, and all those other made-up words, however many there are now, is because I'm not willing to cede the linguistic territory to postmodern radicals. I'm not doing that. And they say, well, we're doing it on behalf of the oppressed transsexual people. And I think, yeah, well, that's what you say, but there's no reason I should believe that. I don't believe anything you say. I think you're contemptible, cowardly, uh, ideologically motivated, cult-like, corruptors of the youth so why would i use your language damn i want to i gotta remember that verbatim i think you're uh, what do they say now cult like abusers and disruptors of the youth i'm gonna i'm gonna next time somebody 
the joke has already been told too many times. You know, my pronouns are F you. You know, my pronouns are prosecute Fauci. You can't say that anymore. It's not it's been done too much. But that little uh, soliloquy from Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson became famous as a professor at the University of Toronto when a policy was issued by the administrators there saying that you must use uh, those pronouns. You must use them. You have to use them. And he's like, no, I don't. You can't compel me to speak in a certain way. You can't do that. Now, I guess government can say you can't say this word in a certain setting, but they can't make you say a word in any saying. Fair enough. Fair enough. Good for Jordan Peterson. All right. I want to. Uh, are we ready with this sound yet? How much time do we? How, all right. All right. Let's just we're going to play the entire thing. When we come back, it's Donald Trump speaking. I think this is like the first major announcement, major message since the uh, debut, since his uh, campaign launch, which is very, very good, by the way. I am so sick of this Ron DeSantis. I'm sorry. There's no rush. Ron DeSantis is um, is a very he's a good guy. He's going to be president most likely someday. He's not tested. He's not ready. You know, you know who he takes on in the media? Tampa Bay 8. OK, it's pretty easy to make Tampa Bay Channel 8 look foolish. Uh, he's not been tested. He's also a career politician. People forget that. And he's one of these guys who's been planning to be president his entire life. All right. The policies, the positions, that's secondary. It's all about his ambition. That's okay. We can still work with that. Uh, And he's a copycat. All right. Donald Trump, when we come back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Donald Trump released this statement just a little while ago. You won't find it on the Fox News. You won't find it on CNN. Uh, They all, oh, they've written Trump off. Very, very foolish move. All right. I want to hear it. You ready? Uh, It's about six minutes long. Donald Trump, the 45th president of the United States. Hello. We don't have free speech. Then we just don't have a free country. It's as simple as that. If this most fundamental right is allowed to perish, then the rest of our rights and liberties will topple just like dominoes, one by one. They'll go down. That's why today I'm announcing my plan to shatter the left-wing censorship regime and to reclaim the right to free speech for all Americans. And reclaim is a very important word in this case because they've taken it away. In recent weeks, bombshell reports have confirmed that a sinister group of deep state bureaucrats, Silicon Valley tyrants, left-wing activists, and depraved corporate news media have been conspiring to manipulate and silence the American people. They have collaborated to suppress vital information on everything from elections to public health. The censorship cartel must be dismantled and destroyed And it must happen immediately. And here's my plan. First, within hours of my inauguration, I will sign an executive order banning any federal department or agency from colluding with any organization, business, or person to censor, limit, categorize, or impede the lawful speech of American citizens. I will then ban federal money from being used to label domestic speech as mis- or disinformation. And I will begin the process of identifying and firing every federal bureaucrat 
who has engaged in domestic censorship, directly or indirectly, whether they are the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Health, Human Services, the FBI, the DOJ, no matter who they are. Second, I will order the Department of Justice to investigate all parties involved in the new online censorship regime, which is absolutely destructive and terrible, and to aggressively prosecute any and all crimes identified. These include possible violations of federal civil rights law, campaign finance laws, federal election law, securities law, and antitrust laws, the Hatch Act, and a host of other potential criminal, civil, regulatory, and constitutional offenses. To assist in these efforts, I am urging House Republicans to immediately send preservation letters, and we have to do this right now, to the Biden administration, the Biden campaign, and every Silicon Valley tech giant, ordering them not to destroy evidence of censorship. Third, upon my inauguration as President, I will ask Congress to send a bill to my desk revising Section 230 to get big online platforms out of censorship business. From now on, digital platforms should only qualify for immunity protection under Section 230 if they meet high standards of neutrality, transparency, fairness, and non-discrimination. We should require these platforms to increase their efforts to take down unlawful content such as child exploitation and promoting terrorism while dramatically curtailing their power to arbitrarily restrict lawful speech. Fourth, we need to break up the entire toxic censorship industry that has arisen under the false guise of tackling so-called mis- and disinformation. The federal government should immediately stop funding all nonprofits and academic programs that support this authoritarian project. If any U.S. university is discovered to have engaged in censorship activities or election interferences in the past, such as flagging social media content for removal of blacklisting, those universities should lose federal research dollars and federal student loan support for a period of five years and maybe more. We should also enact new laws laying out clear criminal penalties for federal bureaucrats who partner with private entities to do an end run around the Constitution and deprive Americans of their First, Fourth, and Fifth Amendment rights. In other words, deprive them of their vote. And once you lose those elections, and once you lose your borders like we have, you no longer have a country. Furthermore, to confront the problems of major platforms being infiltrated by legions of former deep-staters and intelligence officials, there should be a seven-year calling-off period before any employee of the FBI, CIA, NSA, DNI, DHS, or DOD is allowed to take a job at a company possessing vast quantities of U.S. user data. Fifth, the time has finally come for Congress to pass a digital Bill of Rights. This should include a right to digital due process. In other words, government officials should need a court order to take down online content, not send information requests such as the FBI was sending to Twitter. Furthermore, when users of big online platforms have their content or accounts removed, 
throttled, shadow banned, or otherwise restricted, no matter what name they use, they should have the right to be informed that it's happening, the right to a specific explanation of the reason why, and the right to a timely appeal. In addition, all users over the age of 18 should have the right to opt out of content moderation and curation entirely and receive an unmanipulated stream of information if they so choose. The fight for free speech is a matter of victory or death for America and for the survival of Western civilization itself. When I am president, this whole rotten system of censorship and information control will be ripped out of the system at large. There won't be anything left. By restoring free speech, we'll begin to reclaim our democracy and save our nation. Thank you, and God bless America. Yeah! 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 I love it. I love it. Absolutely. What's up, everybody? I'm here on the set of Power Slap, and I'm right, excited to guy? announce you get rid of him now by now. Okay. Just a little bit of a special effect with the applause. They actually seemed a little bit on the lame side, by the way. I thought that was an awesome speech. I thought that was awesome. Some of the great lines, what, the censorship cartel must be dismantled. This whole rotten system of information censorship will be ripped out when I'm president again. Silicon Valley tyrants, depraved corporate media. God bless that man. I just thought that was terrific. And the the point by point, you know, he's the clear cut stuff. You know, Joe Biden, he would take about eight minutes to just warm up, you know, eight minutes to find his voice. And then just, oh, gosh, that is it's direct. And it's also like you got to tell me, it got to be some liberals out there who are like rooting for this guy. Right. You really want uh, some FBI agent and some tech geek you've never met screwing around and telling you what's news, what's not, what's true, what's not. Hmm? You really want that? I don't think I don't think anybody really does. All right. All right. So that's what I think. Uh, what did you guys think? Uh, let's see. Who watched that speech? Who watched that? Ellie. Hi. Welcome back in Mineola. What you think? Hi, Ellie. Uh, hi, Ellie. Hi, Greg. Oh, my God. When I heard this speech around one o'clock, I was dying. I was I was holding back tears. OK, this is unbelievable. But you know what? The funny thing is that President Trump is indeed the master troller. Because all of us were trying to figure out yesterday what the big announcement is. We're coming up with all kinds of ideas. And then he has a big announcement of these Trump cards. Okay, so we're all going like, oh, that's that's it. That's all he's got. Oh, oh, oh okay. So meanwhile, he's playing the Trump card, and he gives this speech. Um, I think this is somehow also related to Elon Musk. Are they working together? You know, with all this free speech and uncensoring, it's getting very interesting. <laughs> it is. It is. And you're right. Yeah, I guess he look, he's very, very good at social media uh, and we need we needed to hear from him. Let's face it. It's been a while. So, Ellie, I agree. Great speech. And uh, yeah, the trolling. It's OK. I like that troll every now and then. It sounds worse than it is. It's not a nice word, but it's actually fun to do. And it's pretty much harmless for the most part. Uh, Ellie, thank you. Let's see here. Oh, what? 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 Sandra? Sandra? I got a note here, Sandra. You did not like this speech. No, I love the speech. I said at first I was disappointed because I, I didn't understand those cards, but that's the trick he did. He gave a great speech, and it was passionate and professional, and I hope and I pray that he wins. But, yeah. Did, did you want to hear about my sister or you not today? 
Uh, I don't. Uh, I, I don't. Is it interesting? I mean, I don't know. No, I, I just wanted to tell you that my mother, she raised three great kids: LSD, Leslie, Sandra, and David. And Leslie is such a patriotic person. I meet with her every Saturday for lunch. My mother used to come every Saturday. We would do our nails and then have lunch at the. Uh, hey, remember the diner. part where I said this has got to be interesting? Oh, it's not. <laughs> well, Sandra, let's be honest here. All right. Having lunch on Saturday with mom. I don't know if we call the radio station to let everybody know about that. Here's the best part. When Donald Trump had his inauguration, my brother drove me, Leslie, me, him, us three down to Washington in his Hummer. And that was the best time I ever had. Stop, Leslie. stop everything. Your brother has a Hummer? He had a hum. I don't know if he still has it, but we were, they went to the inaugural ball. I stayed in the room because they, you know, they, they gave big donations. I gave what I could, but I was very happy to stay in the room. But that was the best weekend I ever had in my life. Wow, wow. You guys are high rollers. You gave enough money, your family, and you went to the inaugural ball. Huh? Wow. Yeah my, my, yeah, my sister and my brother, yeah. Now, let's face it, though. The inaugural balls, they sound great if you've never been to one. I went to one in 2004, and it stunk. Um, it's first of all, it sounds like it's going to be this whimsical, amazing thing. And I'm, look, it's a, it's a thing to see. But weren't you a little turned off by like they had ballrooms like right next to each other? They had like 17 ballrooms in that convention center. There's one ball, one inaugural. There's like inaugural ball four, inaugural ball five, inaugural ball six. Right? Did you see that? I was surprised at that. But um, I remember a man died in one of the rooms that day. He had a heart attack. I remember Wesley telling me that. And um, it, was just, uh, it was just a great weekend that I spent with my sister and my brother. And I'll never forget it. No, that's beautiful. And I don't mean to uh, highlight the negative. It, it was fine. I was just a little bit like, you know, all your life you hear about inaugural ball. It sounds like, um, you know, Princess uh, Snow White or something like that. And then it's like kind of an assembly line, and the president goes from this ball to that ball to that ball to that ball, and they do the same thing. And uh, But it's important. Look, that's the way it is. That's an inaugural ball, and you got to go, and that's really special. Um, all right. Well, anyway, uh, that part of the story was fascinating, and I appreciate it. And uh, best to everybody, including Leslie. Is she still with us? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. All right. All right. Every Saturday. Every Saturday. I never miss a day. Every Saturday I see my sister. And I promised my mother right. that would never stop. Very beautiful. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you very, very much. And, uh, yeah, the inaugural ball. You know who I met at the inaugural ball? He was very nice to me. George Pataki. It's the first time I ever had a real conversation with George Pataki. That was very nice. What else happened at the inaugural ball? Something weird happened to me at the inaugural ball. Oh, I do remember this. There was a small incident. So I was a reporter at the time for Fox News, and somebody came over to me, and they're like, oh, you're Greg Kelly. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And uh, would you sign my program? I'm like, sure. You know, an autograph. This is before the selfie, right? And I sign, I'm like, they hand me their program and I sign it. And they're like, you signed the front? It was like a booklet. You know what I mean? And I just signed the front. I mean, what the hell? What, what else do you want me to sign? What? You gave me this thing. It was like really, really bad. And um, anyway, that's my that's my memory of the 2005 George W. Bush inauguration. George Pataki and uh, some nut job who uh, some autograph seeker who uh, didn't like where I wrote the autograph. All right, one more. Uh, Barbara, hi. Hi, Greg. I was so glad to hear what President Trump had to say. 
And we know from his past history that if he is reelected, he will do that. That will be on his his board, his bulletin board outside his office, promises made, and soon it will go to the promises kept column. He's the first president in my life who has ever done things like that so well. What he promises, he does. So I was thrilled with that. But we know he'll have massive pushback from the other side. And that reminds me of a quote by Albert Einstein that I think applies to, to Donald Trump. Einstein said, great spirits have always encountered violent opposition from mediocre minds. Ooh, I like that a lot. Great spirits have always encountered violent opposition from mediocre minds. Is that how it goes? Yeah, that's exactly Who it. Who knew? Albert Einstein. No, he was so good at science and uh, good with words. Yes, yes, he was. And you know what? The other thing I take away from uh, Trump's comments is that he talked about a digital bill of rights. Well, today, December 15th, is the day that we honor and remember the Bill of Rights that was added to our Constitution on December 15th, 1791. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding it's you. It's the same day? This is Bill of Rights Day. Do you yes. think uh, Do you think Trump knew that, or is it just uh, serendipity? I do. He's very smart, and he has wonderful people who help him. I know, I know, but I think it just it would be even cooler if it were just serendipitous. Serendipitous? Either way. Seren- yes, seren- you know, that. Um, I shouldn't say serendipity. It's, it's, anyway, look, uh, I, I don't know. That's great stuff. A digital Bill of Rights, and this is the day that the Bill of Rights was adopted. December 15th, what? That would be 1789? 1791. Because, yeah, it was quite a process for the Bill of Rights to be composed. James Madison then submitted it to Congress. It was originally 17 amendments. They reduced it to 12, and then they sent it back to the states because the amendments have to be agreed upon by the state. And the states, yes, ratified 10 of the 12. Hey, real quick, do you think if uh, Joe Biden, God forbid, should get another four years and uh, he's going to try to pack the court, what could he do to the Second Amendment? What could he do to the Second Amendment? Yeah. I I think he could devastate it. I I think he could. I right. think he could, because the only reason he would be elected again, and you put your finger right on it when you said they would never think of nominating him again if they didn't think that they could manage the election. Exactly. Exactly. Barbara, thank you for the wisdom. Thank you for that uh, uh, beautiful gem from Albert Einstein. You may see it very soon uh, on a television program that you like. <laughs> you know the one. It's on at 10 o'clock on Newsmax. And I'll see you then. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.